All right, if you take God's precious word and turn the book of Titus, please. The book of Titus, chapter 3. Titus, chapter 3. The title of the message this morning is A Faithful Saying. If you're a first time visitor here, we go verse by verse through God's word, uh, skipping no verse, but we take the book one verse at a time or two or however many we happen to take, but we teach verse by verse through the scriptures. That way we can learn God's word together. Titus chapter 3, God willing, we'll be expounding verse 8 this morning and uh, using verse 7 where we were last week as a, uh, a foundation uh, to launch our study for today. Now, in the first three chapters of this book, as we've been going through it, Paul has been telling Titus what to teach the church leaders, how the church should function, the qualifications of the, of the, of the leaders, and, and, and the, the righteous requirements for, for, uh, for the believers and the, and the duties of the pastors and all, laying down some, some order Laying down some law, if you will. But after telling us the right way to live and govern the church, Paul made it very clear last week that righteous living is not the way we're saved. It's not what gets us into heaven. It's not what qualifies us to keep our salvation. And I enjoyed preaching that last week. Made in heaven. Instead of made in America or made in China. Salvation is made in heaven. Paul said, we're not saved by works of righteousness that we've done, but according to God's mercy. Paul said last week that salvation is God's work, not ours. Our righteousness is not the means to salvation. Salvation is the means to our righteousness. I'm going to say that again. It's very important. Our righteousness, our good works is not the means to our salvation, not even part of it. But our salvation is the means to our righteousness. It's the empowerment of us to live the godly life we should live. And it's the power by which we're declared righteous by God. Remember, we learned about being justified by His grace, and to be justified means to be declared innocent. Or to be declared righteous altogether. Paul said we are saved by God's mercy. Now look in verse 7 if you would please. Why are we saved by God's mercy? Verse 7. That being justified. That means by being declared innocent by His grace. Not our goodness but God's grace. We should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Which is where we left off last week. We are saved from God's wrath because we are justified by God's grace. So in the first three chapters, Paul gives us righteous works to do. Do this, don't do that, can't have this, need to have that. And having done that, having laid out those righteous instructions for us to do and to hold ourselves to, he then tells us that salvation is not by doing these righteous instructions that he gave. But by God's work of grace and mercy alone. I've become so frustrated over the years. 
when dealing with people from different sides of the argument about grace and works. Very frustrated. i just put it to you plainly. They get on my nerves. So, <laughs> you, you, you have people on two different sides sometimes, kind of like this two sides of the pendulum. One side will say, we're saved by free grace and no works whatsoever. The other side says, well, we're saved by grace, that's true, but you've got to work or you won't be saved, which makes no sense at all. So, Paul, the Bible says if it's either by faith or it's by works. And if it's by works, it's no longer by faith. If it's by faith, it's no longer by works. It's one of the two. But you have these two people on, on both sides of the pendulum. And one person's over here pointing the finger at the people who say that they're saved by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone. They'll say, you people think you can get saved and live however you want to. And then some of these people over here that are free grace, some of them think, well, you people over there, uh, you're all about works, and, and every now and then you'll have some people who really don't have much of a standard of righteousness because they say, well, I'm saved by grace. But I've heard people say, and I've had people tell me personally, you once saved, always saved people think you can get saved and go and sin all you want to. I've heard statements like that most of my life. Has anyone else ever had anyone say that? Yep, all over the place. But I don't know any Christians who actually think that way. I don't know anyone that says, oh man, I can, say, I can sin all I want to. Woo-hoo. I don't know anyone that thinks that way. And if they do think that way, I assure you, they are not a Christian. On the other hand, when I have emphasized the need to live righteously, and I do. Y'all have heard me preach against sin here, and I'm going to keep on preaching against it. But when I've emphasized the need to live righteously, and I've held up some kind of standard in God's Word. I've had the people on the free grace side act as if. I was being legalistic for preaching against sin and holding people to the righteous standard of God's Word. You know, the Apostle Paul, he was constantly caught in the middle like that. In the book of Romans, if you turn to Romans chapter 3, you don't have to, but, uh, but if you would like to turn there, if not, I'll read it to you anyway. Keep your place in Titus, though. But in Romans chapter 3... Paul revealed that he and his company had also been accused of celebrating their freedom to sin. Now, salvation is freedom from sin. But they were accused of celebrating their freedom to sin. Romans chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, Paul said, Some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come. So some were claiming that Paul was claiming that, that they were saying, hey, let's do evil that good may come. In other words, hey, we're saved by God's grace alone. Let's magnify God's grace, His goodness to us, by us doing bad. And then by us doing bad, God will receive more glory for saving bad sinners such as us. 
Well, Paul never taught anything like that. Paul didn't want to be evil like they accused him of. He didn't want to do evil. He didn't want God to be exalted by His grace based on His sin. Paul had to continually defend the truth that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus apart from our works because false teachers were continually claiming that the works of the law were necessary for salvation. So no matter what he did, he was uh, always being accused of something. But he constantly had to say, no, it's not by works, it's by faith alone. And at the same time, Paul had to constantly hold the church to the standard of God's word and demand that believers obey it. You remember when he wrote to the church at Corinth? They were committing fornication. Paul said, this is wrong. God forbid. Don't live this way. This is violating God's word. (laughs) So he was constantly in the middle. It seemed like the churches were either infiltrated with false teachers or they were infiltrated with sin. And Paul was having to deal with them on both sides. He had to deal with those who used their liberty as an occasion to sin as well as those who falsely claimed that our liberty was a sin. So there are two things that have been historically under attack in the church. Number one, the truth that we are free from the covenant of the law. We are. We are absolutely free from the covenant of the law. Jesus Christ fulfilled that covenant when he came. He freed us. His death, burial, and resurrection freed us from the law, from the bondage of sin and death. And we are saved by his grace and mercy alone, by his work and not ours. Number two, the truth that we are still bound to the righteous standards of the law. Those, these are the two things that have been under attack. The truth that we're free from the covenant of the law, we are free. The truth that we are still bound to the righteous standards of the law, we are. God still holds us to the righteous standards of his word. It's still wrong to commit adultery. It's still wrong to, uh, to murder. It's still wrong to steal. It's still wrong to covet. It's still wrong to lie. So God's righteous standards have not been changed. And Paul is very careful to defend both of these truths in his letter to Titus. After giving two chapters worth of commands for Titus to enjoin to the church, Paul reminds Titus in verses 5 through 7, if you'll look back in Titus 3, he reminds uh, Titus in verses 5 through 7 that it was, quote, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life and to drive the nail of the doctrine of us being justified by God's grace alone even further into the board of uh, the salvation doctrine Paul goes on to say in verse 8 this is a faithful saying I do not apologize to tell you that 
if I were to do something bad today, if I were to mess up and I were to go sin and commit some horrible sin, I'd still go to heaven. I'd still go to heaven. Some people say, blasphemy. <laughs> they rip their shirt, blasphemy. No, that's not blasphemy. We're saved not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, that we may be justified by His grace. At the same time, I do not apologize for telling you that if I did commit some horrible sin, God would hold me accountable for it. I would not be condemned to hell. But I would stand before Christ the, at the, 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 uh, the judgment seat of the believers. I would suffer loss of reward. I would suffer uh, chastisement here on earth. God would deal with me according to a son, the book of Hebrews says. And he would chastise me. I would be wrong. But the fact that we are saved by God's grace apart from any of our works... Anything that we could possibly do, Paul says in verse 8, this is a faithful saying. Which means in the Greek, what I just said to you is something you can depend on. You can bet the farm on it. You can hang your hat on it. You can stake the welfare of your soul upon the fact that we are justified by God's grace alone. That's what Paul's saying. I tell you what, the the fact that we're not saved by our works, but by God's mercy and grace is a faithful saying. And you know what? It's good to have a saying you can depend on. People will give you advice. You may or may not be able to depend on it. It may or may not turn out to be true. But when Paul says this is a faithful saying, it's something you can stake your soul's welfare upon. To be saved... I have taken all of my hope and I have staked it on one thing. Man, when I was a kid, we had a carnival down the road from my house. And back then, kids could walk off from the house and parents didn't worry about them. It was just different times back then. And I walked downtown from the house one evening and uh, I went down to see what was going on at this carnival. It was at the little uh, Trinity Valley Community College. And I'm walking down there and I'm looking around. And they had this trailer. And they had like red, blue, white, different colors of squares here. And they had some grown men up there. And they had some wheel back there. And they were spinning this wheel. And whatever it landed on, on that color... Whoever had their money on these square colors, if it matched, they won. Everybody else's money. And I look at that and I watched those men do that for a while. And I reached in my pocket and I think I had one or two quarters. I didn't, I didn't think of it as gambling. And I, if I did, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I'd have known any different. I was just a little boy. I was still in grade school. Well, I went up there and I watched and I thought, well, I'll put a quarter up here. I put a quarter up there and I won. And then I, I got that extra money and I, I stuck it on another square the next time. Every single time I put my quarter up there, I won. I took those men's money. When I walked home, I could barely walk. My pockets were so full of quarters. I'm not kidding. I was... 
And I know looking back now, in my mind, looking back, that thing was rigged and whoever was working that carnal was having a good time letting that little boy win all that money. There's no way those chances could have been. Well, those grown men were starting to get suspicious. But you know something? Those men, they placed their bets on those squares. And they lost. I've placed my bet. I've taken every quarter out of my pocket, spiritually speaking. I've put them all on the cross of Jesus Christ. I haven't hedged it. People who say, well, we're saved by grace through faith, but we have to keep living good or we'll lose our salvation. You know what they're doing? They're hedging their bet. They're putting some on the cross square. They're putting some on their works square. And they're hoping to hedge the bet. That's not going to work. Because whatever quarter you put on your works square, that's that less faith you've put on the cross square, the gospel square. I have taken all of my quarters, I've placed my bet on Jesus Christ, Him crucified, buried, and risen for me. Period. That's being justified by His grace. That God looks at me and declares me innocent because Christ was innocent for me he took my guilt bore the burden of my sin and Paul says this is a faithful saying that's something you can put your, your bet your farm on bet, put all of your bet on you're not going to lose you're not going to be like those men standing there saying ah oh, what happened I lost my money you wage your soul on the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ you'll win it every time it's a faithful saying. There are two other times in the Bible when Paul says this is a faithful saying. Did you know that? Two other times. And they are both speaking about salvation by God's grace. 1 Timothy chapter 4. In verses 8 through 10. The apostle Paul discounted the use of outward religious exercises for salvation. You've got people this morning. They come down to the priest. They stick their tongue out. He puts a wafer on their tongue. They drink a little wine. And they're being told they're eating the blood in the body of Jesus Christ. And they're taking of the mass. And that's going to help keep their sins away. Because they're eating Jesus. In Catholic churches. That is a bodily exercise. You have people that say. Well you have to. Be dipped in the water. To be saved. And that will help wash your sins away. That is a religious bodily exercise. It's something we can do with our bodies. Other people say, well, we have to perform charitable acts. We have to do certain good things. And then we can keep our salvation or earn our salvation. That is a religious bodily exercise. And Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 8 through 10. He said that bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things. Having promise of the life that now is. And of that which is to come. This 
is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Not work. Not perform the bodily exercises. Oh, the bodily exercise, they profit a little, don't they? Not, with, not if they're false exercises, of course. But if I get up and I do something that's good, that's profitable for now. But if I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's profitable both for now and forever. He saves those specifically. He says specially here in the text, but that means specifically those that believe, those who are justified by faith in Christ alone. He said that's a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Not those that work, but those that believe the gospel. This is a faithful saying. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 15. Paul said again, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. A third time he speaks of a faithful saying. He says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save what? Sinners. Sinners. Not righteous people. Remember what Jesus said? I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Remember what he said? He said, the people who are well, they don't need a doctor. It's the people who are sick that need doctors. I came as a doctor to heal the sick with the gospel. My death, burial, and resurrection in their place. Paul says this is a faithful saying. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Jesus didn't come into the world to save workers. He came in the world to save sinners. And that's a faithful saying you can depend on. And because of the faithfulness of the truth of what Paul said, he told Titus, look back down in your text, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. In other words, don't ever let anyone forget it. Don't ever quit preaching the cross of Christ. Don't ever quit telling the both sides of the story that, that God holds us to the standards of His law. But at the same time, He justifies us by the grace of His cross. Do you see? They're both true. You have to preach both. God, God wants you to live a holy life. He wants you to be and live innocent and righteous the thing is, we all come short. We all are still sinners. We all still occupy a body that is tainted with the fall of man. Thoughts come into my mind I don't want in my mind. I do and I say things I wish I wouldn't have ever done or said. So yes, He holds us to the righteous standards of His law. But at the same time, only by the grace of Christ can God look at us and truly say, you're innocent. Paul tells Titus, these things you affirm constantly. That there is a high standard, but there is only one way to be saved, and that's the grace of Jesus Christ. Affirm them constantly, Paul said. 
And in the Greek, that word constantly means thoroughly. You thoroughly confirm the truth and the obligations of the things I've told you to the people who are under your care. Don't let these words slip from their minds. If pastors ever felt the need to come up with a fresh and bold strategy to engage their church members, this verse should be the end to those feelings. God hasn't called pastors to invent the fresh and new. He's called them to affirm the old and faithful. I like that. I'm going to say that again. God hasn't called pastors to invent the fresh and new. He's called them to affirm the old and faithful. Confirm to our people the truths that are attacked in our churches today. The commands we must go by and the grace we must be saved by. Don't apologize for any of them. Sometimes I find myself when talking to people, they'll say, well, you don't believe in once saved, always saved, do you? Because I know if I say I do, they'll say, oh, you have no standards at all. That's not true. That's not true. And the people that say that a lot of times, they're the people who live like they have no standards at all. It's amazing. Like the Pharisees. Always willing to point the finger and they're the ones doing the worst. And Paul said, do this. Look back in your text. That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. Oh, watch how that fits together. Now take your pen and underscore the word believed. That's good. You know where we're going next, don't you, Brother Doug? Now take your pen and underscore the word what, Brother Doug? Works. Works. You affirm these truths that I'm telling you for this reason. That the people who believe... How are we saved? By faith in Christ alone. But you make sure those who are justified by God's grace are doing God's works. They don't do God's works to be saved. They do God's works because they are saved. And they should be doing the work of God. So we have believed and we have the word works. We have in this text... Faith and works coupled together in the same sentence. You see that? Faith and works are joined together in the same sentence. They're brought to the forefront of our minds as a pair. We are not saved by works. We are saved by grace through faith alone. But those who believe God, Paul said, should be careful to obey God. Isn't that right? If I believe God, if I believe That I am a sinner. That means I have to believe that I am wrong and God's word is right. Right? Because if God's word is wrong and I'm right, I'm no sinner. The Bible's wrong. I'm right. So if I believe God that I am in fact a sinner, I'm on the wrong side of his word. And I should be doing his word, but I'm not. I'm a sinner. And I believe God that he sent his son to die on the cross for my sins. 
And so I trust in what he did for me. So now I believe God and I believe the gospel of what Jesus did. Now I am justified by my faith in Jesus. But those who believe God should be careful to do God's works and obey God. Because if I truly believe that I'm wrong, then I should truly want to do right. It's only logical. And if I have no desire to do right, if I don't want to do right, I say, no, I don't care about doing right. I don't care about doing God's word. Then I truly don't believe. It makes sense? I can't believe. Because if I believed I was wrong and I wanted to be right, that precedes faith in Christ. And if I do want to be right, then I should be careful to do so. That's all Paul's saying. Those who believe God should be careful to obey God. Those who've been saved by Christ's works should maintain their own works in Christ's name. This is what we believe as a church here. Because this is what the Bible says. As believers in Christ, we hold these doctrines dear to us. That we are careful to not trust in anything but Jesus for our salvation. At the same time, we are careful to live for nobody but Jesus. Make sense? We're careful to trust in no one but Jesus. We're careful to live for no one but Jesus. These things, Paul said, look back in your text. These things, Paul said, are good and profitable unto men. They're good because it is good for us to serve our Creator. They are profitable because bodily religious exercise profits little. Being justified by God's grace and being made an heir of the promise of eternal life profits us both in this life as well as the life to come. I love how God's Word balances these two truths together. You're saved over here by grace alone. But those who believe God need to be careful to obey God. Not so that they'll lose their salvation but so that they will live and experience life for the purpose God saved them for. That that God, through their faith in His Son, can begin to work the work of His Son through their life here on earth. Because one day, if your faith is in Christ as your Savior, God's ultimate purpose, and He will do it, is to conform you to the image of His Son. If ultimately, I am going to be like Jesus in the future, then temporarily, I should live like Jesus in the present. It only makes sense. It only makes sense. And we believe these truths, both of them, to be right. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You so much, Father, That Paul said this is a faithful saying. God we know Lord God. Faithful is he that promised who also will do it. You said in another place. We trust Father. In you and you alone. We believe Father for our salvation. In the work of Jesus in our place. But Lord let us work for him now. Who worked for us back then. I pray, Father, you'll make us to be more and more like Christ each and every day. Conform us to his image. And at the same time, 
Father, that we'll give you all the thanks and all the glory for all that's done because salvation is your work and your work alone. In Jesus' name.